Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. All right, guys, what's going on? Joe McCall here from the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. Got a special interview with a good friend of mine, Justin Wilmot. What's going on, Justin? How are you? Hey, oh, buddy. Stoked to be here with you again, man. So it's a good time hanging with you. It's awesome. I was on your podcast a few days ago, and uh, now you're on mine. <laughs> so I got a lot of questions I want to ask you about. And the main thing I want to talk about on this podcast is how do you run your virtual wholesaling business as a business, right? Um, because if you want to make good money in the business, you got to treat it like a business. This isn't a hobby, right? This isn't a hobby. First, but first things first, guys, I want to tell you about my book. Uh, you can get my book for free at reisecrets.com, reisecrets.com. I'm going to put the link here. Boom, look at the banner right there, reisecrets.com. Fancy, man. Fancy, man. I'm already learning stuff from you. What's this, two seconds in? I'm learning. Yeah, so this is a thick book, you know? And uh, it's like a real book. I can't believe it. I actually wrote this thing. But these, each of these chapters is like two or three pages of, of little nuggets of real estate investing wisdom to help you get more leads and close more deals. All right. So as we're recording this, Justin, right now, we are broadcasting it live to the Facebooks and the YouTubes. I just want to say hello to you guys right now as you're watching this. And do me a favor. I want to impress Justin with how cool this thing is that we're using here. So I want you to comment down below the video. So if you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube, Tell us hi. Tell us where you're from, and I'm going to show your comments here on hopefully if it's working. And so if you've got any questions for Justin, if you want to ask him, you know, who he's voting for in the next election, I don't care. Like, don't don't ask that. Where are we coming from today? Where we're located? How's that? <laughs> so, uh, but um, so please, right now, if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, type in the questions or the, or the comments down below, say hello, tell us where you're from, say hi. And I uh, just want to see, make sure this thing is working and we'll ask any questions to Justin as we go through here. All right. So cool. Um, oh, Hey, look at this. What do we got? Aishu is asking, can you put up the name of your guest? Mm. <laughs> sure. That's rude. Of me. <laughs> Dude, that is cool. I see how it popped up right there. That's awesome. Uh, how about that? How's that? Boom. Called Justin Wilmot. I know that guy. All right. Yeah. So, uh, Justin, where are you from? Where do you live right now? Right now, we are in a beautiful Florida. It's a gorgeous day. This is a short sleeve shirt today, so it's been a little chilly, but a little town on the East Coast. Yeah, got the long sleeve, rocking the long sleeve today. Yeah, just a different beauty. You're in a beautiful place. I've seen your Facebook picture with those rolling, sprawling mountains and wide open landscape. I got wide open landscape, but just no mountains, just flat blue, lots of blue. So uh, our, our office is right here on the beach on the infamous A1A around the Atlantic Beach on a little island. All right. How long have you lived there? Well, uh, my dad moved me here. I got they got my parents got divorced at like three years old and moved me here pretty much right then. So I've been here my entire life. Okay. And yeah. where do you mostly do your deals at? It started off in Central Florida, so everybody's heard of Disney World, and that's where uh, Orlando, Florida, is. But it, it's funny; a lot of people don't know the name of the town where Disney really is, and it's Kissimmee. Yes. Often pronounced as Kissimmee, but uh, Kissimmee. So that that was my first market. And then um, that's where I got my beak wet, started wholesaling government-owned properties, HUD properties, and regular properties, and then made my way here to locally back to my farm market back on the East Coast. 
All right. And so are you mainly targeting Florida now for all your deals or? Yes, yes, yes. Or wherever I have students, you know, so I'll partner with a student somewhere. Um, yeah. So wherever the heck that in the world or the country that might be. But primarily, like for my own stuff, just me, we focus on just Florida. Talk a little bit about how you got started in the business. You got a cool little story there, what you were doing before. Yeah, man. You know, I, well, I guess I can give you two different versions. I'll give you the short version here since we're live on Facebook. Short version is I worked in a fish market. Yeah. Uh, just started dating my high school sweetheart. I go over her house every night and I smelt like crap. That's like, damn, you stink. So that was clue number one. I need to get a new job. Clue number two was my boss was a tyrant. Good man, taught me some hard lessons, um, but was a tyrant. Like literally, I don't know, I'm sure there's people listening to the, you know, to the live here that have like have bosses either like that now or in the past, but where you authentically, completely dread going to your job. And so that was me. I said, well, I got to break out of here. Entrepreneur bug. Only thing I could think of, wash cars. Really? <laughs> I started that was all you could think of? That's all I could think of, dude. 19 years old, burnt out surf bomb. I mean, that's all I could really process. So I started washing cars, you know, literally got this huge water tank put in the back of a pickup truck and just started going around and, and mobily washing cars. So it was humble beginnings, man. But, you know, I worked hard and, and that's just me. I'm a committed guy and I like business. I like money. I like money. So I went hard and that that little detail business became probably one of the most up there, top 10 most successful yacht management companies hmm. in the state of Florida. And that's a lot to say because every yacht management company is in South Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Miami. We were dominating up here. There wasn't a there wasn't anybody that had a yacht that we we didn't take care of. That was for the most part, right? So that became very successful. My biggest client was the, at the time the world's largest luxury condo developer. They just bought a massive piece of uh, the West End of the Bahamas. Two thousand eight hits, and you know the rest of the story, Joe. Oh, yeah. Two thousand eight hits, and everybody, it, it, everything goes to. Hell in a handbag. And the first thing that they cut was their yacht guy, right? You don't need, you know, you're, you're worried about how, how you're, you know, all these entrepreneurs, you know, yeah, they're multimillionaires, but they felt it just like everybody. And so oh, I cut, yeah, I threw my savings at that business, every dollar I had into the marketing. And I did this stupid postcard campaign. I'll never forget. It cost me like six grand to do postcards that I was, I had no call to action. Luckily I put my phone number on there. But it failed. So it tanked. They went down, brought me down with it. Big learning lesson. And then I do what everybody else does, man. Went hit Google. How do I make money from home? And then I saw this thing, real estate. How to make money in real estate, no cash, no credit. Was it a, uh, who Who was it? Like who, who did the course? Man, the first course I bought, I honestly don't even know. I bought so many courses that I honestly can't even recall. I want to say... It's very likely, Joe. I just I can't believe I you're the first person I think that I think it's ninety percent likely that it was it was Armando Montalongo's flipping whatever it was. What do you call it? Yeah. Dude, I'm pretty sure because I remember I got it in the oh. mail and it was the big notebooks, right? Just pages and pages of copy paste kind of stuff. So you know Armando Montalongo, everybody's favorite guru. The guy everybody loves to hate. The guy everybody loves to hate, man. He's Still got a huge following and still out there doing it. So according to Facebook. <laughs> all right. All right. So um, did you do anything with it? No, I did not. Proceeded to buy like 10, 15, 20 more courses. Ah, and, so you were, and I was one of these guys too. I mean, so welcome yeah. to the club. But yeah. uh, I like to call us ourselves uh, professional students. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I didn't get my first deal done. So I finally hired a coach. And how many, how long, how long of a period was that? Almost two years, dude. Two years. Mm -hmm. 
Man, I was three. <laughs> Just as stubborn as me. <laughs> so what was it like at that time? Like, why weren't you? I mean, Armando, he's telling you. It was a good course, probably, right? He was telling you what to do. Yeah. And why didn't you do it? Dude, when I look back now, hindsight, for sure. Everything I need to know was likely in that course. Every fear, uncertainty, yeah. unknown. What most people probably, or many people that were watching it, you know, have either feel now or felt some time, feel like not really capable of doing it. Not me, you know, all these self-limiting beliefs. Look, I just gotten out of a failing, my company's failing. Like, you know, gone, I'm down to freaking zero, living off of credit cards. So look at the self, you know, thinking that's going through my mind at that time, you know? Yeah. So what, what was it then that eventually got you over the line to actually start doing the stuff and yeah, man, but this is beautiful without question, dude, without question, it was hiring a mentor. I had a mentor. That, that, that was it. That was it. And I'll be honest. And you know, the mentor very well now, right? Was it no riddle? Yeah. No way. Patrick was, I knew you guys worked together. I didn't know he was your coach. Yeah, dude. He was my real estate coach, man. Is he really? He still has the email from the very first time I reached out to him. You're probably the one and only coaching student he's ever coached too. He he doesn't do that anymore. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, after me, I used and abused him, and uh, <laughs> that's why. Yeah, you're why he doesn't do coaching. I anymore. am probably exactly why, but it all paid out. Well, we went on to be friends. I used to tell everybody that. Then I went on to become his most successful student. But then I learned Tim Brox was one of his students. So now I don't really have that claim to fame anymore. Go, Tim. Mad respect for you, bro. And so his second most successful student um, in the single family space probably is most. And then uh, we went on to just stay and stay, build a friendship. And then we've gone on to, you know, do business in the education space. And we've gone on to make a lot of money together. So yeah, um, just a I great just saw Patrick Riddle a um, couple days ago in Nashville. At oh, yeah. The, the Click Funnels conference. Oh, you went there. Were you there? No, man. I missed this year, dude. I had too many other obligations going on here. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. Um, all right, so you got a coach and a mentor. I hope you all are taking notes. Yeah, take notes, take notes. Like, and here's the biggest thing that, like, the biggest thing is like he didn't have like this shiny yacht, like this magic bullet, Joe. There was no like, if you do this seller lead gen, you will make you know a million dollars. Like, or if you use this one strategy. For me personally, personally, it was just having the accountability, somebody that tells me what to do. So a, I had faith in it, right? A, I have faith in this guy. And two, I said the accountability. And you know what's interesting, Joe? The, when I say accountability, most people think like, oh, he was bothering you every day, calling you at 5.30 a.m. Hey, Justin, wake up. Hey, it's 11.30. Did you make 25 calls? No, 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 no. Accountability because I put up the last cheddar that my family had. You see what I'm saying? That's good. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, no, I was like, that was it. Like, it was like all in. Like, like there, my back was against the wall. And I was like, I have to make this happen. So what I believe for me, for the mentorship was that a great guy, that's why I chose him because he's got that good old Southern draw. Just made me trust him. You know, it was, it was, it, it seemed ethical. He seemed trustworthy. And it was a sea of people out there. It's even more now. Right. And so I was like, well, this guy, this guy, I mean, if I'm going to pick somebody, he's the dude. And then I made a promise to myself that I'm going to do whatever he tells me to do. Oh, that's so important, man. And that was a key for me. That was a key for me when I finally did my first deal. Yeah. It was Chris Chico's course. You know, Chris Chico. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say something bad about him. No, man. Say something bad. <laughs> no, but yeah. And you made that. We, mutual friend. I give each other a hard time. Ago. But I finally said, you know what? I'm sick and tired of buying courses. I want to start buying houses. Mm -hmm. Right. My back was against the wall. 
I'm like, I'm just going to do what this guy says to do. Like, I didn't like him. You know, I thought he was, I thought his course was too simple. I thought that uh, I didn't like his ugly postcards. I didn't like his scripts. I didn't like the lists that he said to mail to. I thought everybody's mailing it. But I just said, you know what? Like, I know any better. What am I thinking? You know, like, I've never done a deal. This guy has. So I'm just going to trust it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do what he says to do. And I'm not going to change anything. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, would you believe it? I started doing deals just like that. Just like that. Just, I just, I, and I, I, I remember too so clearly, like, I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't mm-hmm. know like what the next steps seven and six, six and seven and eight are, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to worry about steps one and two. Yeah. And I started doing that. Yeah. And yeah, that was, that was huge for me. I guess everybody has to get to that point sometime, right? Yeah. That's interesting. Right. So like it's in, you know, people listen to, to us and, and hopefully grab some great content and some, some helpful tips and stuff from us. And I always tell people that like, when you hear your thing, like that nugget, that aha, run, go run with it right now. You know what I mean? And, and for some people, I hope they understand that. Like when, when Joe, when you say that, when I'm saying that, and, and you know, Joe, you know, like all of our friends in the space and other investors, owner operators, other educators and gurus, right. Like we all have almost identical stories in that sense where it's like, we made a decision. Yeah. So like, you know, I know it sounds super cliche success leaves clues, but I mean, how many times do you got to hear you make the personal choice so it was only for you, man. However many, how many courses did you buy before Chris's? At least a dozen. And then when you bought Chris's, then you made a choice and said, I'm done. This is the last one. Yeah. I told my wife. Yeah. Like I didn't, she was my accountability partner. Yeah. Um, I told her, I said, listen, if mm-hmm. I can't, if I don't do this, then I'm going to quit. Yeah. yeah. So, you're say, so you're saying Chris's course wasn't so amazing. That made you feel a bunch of houses. His course was <laughs> fine. was normal. It was okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was a real good course. But like, you know, he didn't give me 20 different things to do, 20 different marketing things, you know, pick from one of these 20 postcards. It was like, send it to post this postcard to this list. Yeah. And use this script, use this contract. And you know, so it's like, yeah, that's a whole other story. But like, I, I'd harp on that all the time. Yeah. Just trust the system. Trust the system. There's, you know, like you and I, Joe, I know that you hang in like a tight circle. We're protective about who we associate yourself ourselves with. I know I am for sure. So like when, when people ask, you know, does this course work? Or is that, I'm like pretty much everybody I know their stuff works. Otherwise I don't know that person. Like I, I, I dis, uh, disassociate myself from them. So at the end of the day, if they all work right, nothing down by Robert Allen. Is that who it is? Yeah. Totally revised for the eighties. This book would still work today. Right. See, right. So the question is, do you believe it will? And if you believe it, will you take that data and go use it, you know? You can do deals. I had a student, Justin, a college student, Mm -hmm. just listening to my podcast, didn't have the money to buy my course. Mm -hmm. From the podcasts, you heard me talk about, I think it was contacting landlords on Craigslist or something. Yeah. So so he just started calling landlords on Craigslist from his cell phone. Like he didn't, he didn't, he couldn't get Vumber or Call Rail or anything like that. And he found one that said, yeah, I'll sell my rental. And so I was like, oh, okay. Then he went to YouTube, uh, tried to figure out how to calculate an offer. Found a video on YouTube on how to make an offer, like Mm -hmm. ARV times 70% minus repairs or whatever. Then he went to like Office Depot or Office Max or Staples, one of them, Mm -hmm. and got one of those generic contracts that you see there, right? Like you seen those generic contracts? Yeah, absolutely. He got one of them, gave them to the seller. The seller signed it. Mm -hmm. 
Now what do I do? I don't, I don't know what he did then. He went to a podcast or a YouTube video. He said he got an, ex oh, I think he Googled bandit signs or something. Okay. And he found a bandit sign, went to Home Depot and bought mm -hmm. a plastic corrugated sign, stuck it in the yard, started putting them out in the neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And a couple weeks later, makes $15,000, Yeah. right? He couldn't afford the course, but he didn't let anybody give him, ex he didn't give himself any excuses. Mm -hmm. He didn't let anybody tell him he couldn't do it. I know, and and you're always harping on this. You're, you're you're we're talking to about this stuff all the time with our podcast audience, our listeners, our students, and things like that. I believe it's the most important thing, which puts us in a bit of a dilemma, right? Like I remember when I, dude, the reason I'm in this space is because I still remember the night, Joe, where I said to myself, "When I figure this stuff out, I'm going to teach people my way." Because I had my own opinions about the stuff I was buying and courses and stuff, and I was like, "I'm going to teach them. I'm going to teach the real authentic my way." And Dude, like after after I went through that process of, you know, doing deals, coming into this space, I realized, man, like there is only a few things that matter. And out of those two things, one of them accounts for 90% of all the success you either have or don't have. And that's showing up, man. Yeah. Showing up. Sounds cliche, but and it can be said in many different ways. Take action, hustle, grind, freaking Gary V, whatever. But show up just means like literally like wake up. Make the phone call that your coach asked you to make or your course say. Call the buyer. Call the seller. Make the offer. Get DocuSign. Go to Staples and get a, a purchase sales contract. Like, just, just show up in, small, in some small form, right? And then the other 10% is just the actual physical doing of it or, or learning something enough to get you one step forward. Like, just enough. Like, even just that first line. Go to Staples. Get a contract. Stop, I like to say, stop asking what if and start mm -hmm. asking what next. What next? Dude, Stop right? the what if questions. Yeah. And just say, what next? And that's why it's so important to get a coach. Okay. Yeah. Now, what next do I do? I did that. Now, what? Okay. I did that. Then, what? Now, what do I do? Right. Totally. By the way, look at this. this is Jonathan. He says the generic contract works. Work contracts work. I've used them for years. Totally. Yeah. Brian yeah. says here, you guys are the definition of keep it simple, smart guys. <laughs> smart guy. Dude, totally. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Brian. Laura's from Kansas City. Christy from Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, cool, um, cool. Yeah. Brian, going on? And Brian also says, it's good to hear you both struggle to take action. Yeah, right. I want people to know that. Yeah. Um, May Maylin, how are you? From Fort Lauderdale. I've got some Flor fellow Floridians in the house. What up, Florida? Yes, come on. Aishu from uh, LA or Louisiana. Cool. One of those, right? Um, we got some new... Oh, we got Jamil from New Jersey. What's going on, guys? Cool. What up, Jim? Cool. All right. So I'm glad you guys are here. Awesome. Justin, what are you doing now these days? What does your business look like today? And then I want to rewind a little bit and talk about the 10-hour wholesaler. Okay. And I want to talk about what you are seeing that's working well today. Yeah. So what does what your business look like today? I'm a blend of, I'm the, I believe, I don't know if I'm patting myself on the back too much, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm definitely a product of somebody that uh, you're changed with the tide. And, and I, I adapt pretty quickly. And so man, I don't know how to say it. I've literally, okay, so I've done everything except like hotel stuff. I haven't done hotels. Um, hotels you sell it on the MLS, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've wholesaled a motel in Daytona, but I've never, well, it's part of it. It wasn't my exclusive deal, but so I started off wholesale, then the fix and flip, then went back to traditional wholesale, then created a model. At least I feel like I created it. I, I think there's other guys that say, yeah, I was doing that too, but I didn't hear him or know of it. So where I call it joint venture wholesaling, right? So as inventory dried up in 2009 to 11, I started partnering with everybody. Then 
that became a little different. Things changed the industry. So then I just came back to wholesaling traditionally, locally. So my own stuff, my own farm market. And then I just have one thing, Joe, if it's got six figures, I'll take it down and fix and flip it. Right. Cause I'm sure you've done enough fix and flips to know that no. six figures. No. Well, I can assure you, you, every time you see six figures or whatever it is you perceive, yeah. anybody that's seasoned here, you guys know, you see 80,000 in juice on that deal, what you end up with nine times out of 10, you know, 70% of that, right? So it was a $40,000. So anyway, my golden rule is I wholesale. And then when I see something with six figures, then I buy it and renovate it. So I tend to, I have this new rule, water's gold. So as you know, here in Florida, so anything that's on a canal or here on the beach on the island, those are deals that I do. And although I just took my very first loss in 11 loss and said, I've been in the game for 11 years now and uh, just took a huge hit on a fix and flip here on the island. But another one I did a huge gain on. And then another one my wife liked so much, I refied and moved into it as my personal house. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, It was a unique, one of a kind, triple lot, privacy, which you don't get on the island. So my wife... I've done uh, two rehabs and lost money on both of them. Oh my gosh. Damn. Then I can understand where you, you know, where your, your perception of it. I've done, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'm also a little curious people that do say the number, but I digress. Can I ask you about this one deal you just lost a bunch of money on? Yeah. Uh, Approximately how much did you lose? So I personally lost over 60,000, around close around $67,000 that I had done like cash, like out out of the pocket, you know? So what happened on that deal? Where to start? One, the buy. They always, you guys have all heard that you, you make money when you buy, and that is true. I mean, it was the first deal that I've ever bought in my career where I was questioning that. So you were cool. buying on emotion. I was buying on emotion. I said, I'm going to make six figures if I had a perception uh, of what I was going to do the property. And I had an exit strategy that I, that I wasn't sure was going to work. And it had, had those things worked, I guarantee, I mean, I would, you know, it's been a six figure spread, and then six figures really means 80 grand, right? First off, that's the first time I ever bought a property where there was like, Perception. Usually I am stick to my numbers. It's in or out, black or white. So yeah. first time I let external factors factor my purchase. Yeah. So that was wrong from the jump. And then um, man, honestly, dude, like I was telling this to my business partner, I'm like, I think them things haunted, or there's a neighbor coming over there shooting people off with a broom every time a buyer walks through that door. I, I don't know. Because at the end of the day, it was still the only property on the island under four hundred thousand. I think it was 400, under 400,000, three bedroom, two bath, almost 2,000 living square feet, period. But it was the cheapest by like 80 grand. And I just, dude, I kept it, we kept it for over a year. Now, for those of you that are fixing and flipping, you know money's expensive. Well, short-term money for 13 months, it's costing me thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars a month. So it was just, it was just, it was, a, it was, a, we took a hit, a hard one. And, but worse, I, screw my hit. What I feel bad about is the hit that my partner took. So we're working to make sure it'll be a long run though. He's gonna make a lot more. But um, if you would have wholesaled that deal, could you think you could have wholesaled it? I could have wholesaled it for sure. There was another guy or gal that would have taken that and either rented it out um, or or did their own renovation to it. Sometimes you know you got to think about whether you should make. Is it better to make a quick nickel or a slow dime? You know, Without question. You know what I did, Joe, for that one too. For I said, I told my partner, I said, give us five days on the MLS before we send our contractors over there to rip the roof off and put a new roof on. Because this was right after the hurricane. No, no, no. Yeah, we're right after the most recent hurricane. I've had it for fourteen months and just got rid of it. I said, give me five days, and I'm going to see if we can wholesale it right from the MLS. And I was like, it'll be gone, dude. We'll make a quick forty, be done. And that right. didn't work. Not, I don't. I don't think even. I don't think anybody even went to look at it. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, this is important to understand because, you know, people listening to this, you got to remember, like, we don't win on every deal, mm-hmm. right? You'd look at these guys that done a lot of deals like we have and, and friends that, you know, that are out there. You don't win on every deal and you just have to be willing to take that risk. There's a lot of risk taking involved with being an entrepreneur, being a small business owner getting into real estate, but your risks need to be calculated, right? And I don't think, Justin, you would have taken on that deal if you didn't have other things in the pipeline as well, right? Other deals that you were working on. Yep. Yep. And uh, you already had a ton of experience, you know, behind you, underneath your belt that you can like, you know, like, well, if this deal goes south, I can wholesale five, six deals real quickly to make that up. Make it up. Yeah, for sure. That was still definitely for sure, Joe. I'm still trying to like cope with losing uh, a rehab. Like that doesn't that doesn't happen to me. So anyway, um, and now I focus on still do whatever the wholesale stuff is. Partner now, partnering with students is a big big part of mine because it's really opened up the whole country to me. Beautiful yeah. thing, and I absolutely love it. And it sticks to my whole new perception. You know my story. Um, I was big in the fix and flip game. I was doing so many deals, it put me in the hospital at like 23 years old. So my new perception is like, I'd rather partner. So like Rockefellers, I'd rather earn 1% of a hundred other hundred, 1% of 100 other people's efforts than a hundred percent of my own efforts. And so now I just partner and I just like to like keep life super simple, um, guide, guide people through the deal and help bring stuff together. And that's that. And now commercial is, is I, I see I'm optimistic and I'm officially working on assisted living plans right now here local. So uh, the biggest project I've ever done in my life. And, you know, I'm kind of going all in on it. So Okay. Assisted living. Yeah. Assisted living. Cool. Good old Florida. We just got out of 2019. Can you, you mind talking about what were your numbers in 2019? In regards to rehab or wholesale? I don't try. I don't track the numbers. I, I honestly don't know how many. Yeah. I don't know my numbers either. Yeah. But I have to ask uh, Gavin and Melissa. <laughs> what I have though, is I got, but I keep meaning to do it because I get asked pretty frequently. And so like, well, I don't know about you, Joe, but when I wholesale, I say 80% of the time I do simultaneous closings. So I keep, you know, so I have files, right? Like here's a file. This is actually one from, but so all these files you get from top company, right? And this one I had to go to. So that's why I have a physical one from yeah. that company. And I have three of those gigantic Tupperware bins, you know, the totes oh, yeah. filled with these suckers. So I need to, I'm going to take some pictures and, and uh, I have a <laughs> mine right there. I can't show them to you, but um, yeah, I get it. Yeah. All right. So um, what are you seeing working today in terms of marketing? What what kind of marketing are you doing and what what's working? Isn't this the, the isn't this the subject? So for me, tell all your secrets. Yeah. Tell me all the secrets. But what's for me, the magic I, pill for me, man, I went back old school. No, not direct mail, but I got people going like two doors Mm. producing lists. And then we're going what I call my four pillar process with those lists. So my theory is I don't go wide and try to get thousands of leads from either list brokers. And I also don't, for me, I know some people are doing well with it. And I, I, there's one guy I think you, sh- you could probably introduce me to. It sounds like he's crushing it in this, but I don't, I've yet to break the code personally with Facebook ads where it's making sense. Right. So I went back to this method and it works better than it's ever has in my career. And I also do what I call the agent network. So I let every agent in wherever markets we're in know that I buy properties. And so like, as a matter of fact, that house I was just talking about came from an, from an agent network. So maybe that wasn't a good thing. Right. But, um, I, I get probably just 20% of my deals from, from agents yeah. that are like, and here in Florida, you can still, as long as it's not an REO, you can still do pocket listing. Or you can at least be contacted. It doesn't need to be. There's no laws against it. It needs to be on the MLS. Like I know some states do. Yeah. 
So your door to door, do you mean like door knocking? Are they putting flyers on the doors or what? No, apps, using apps to, to build a list. Oh, driving for dollars. Yeah, driving for dollars. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. So like a lot of people call them bird dogs, but I don't because I look at it as like you're bird dogging, yes, but you're doing it. For me, it's it's an interview. So you're making money, you're doing, you know, I'm paying you a dollar a lead or whatever, but you're making money to for me to interview you and see if we can have a further relationship to officially be the boots on the ground for other things. Oh. And then, um, yeah, man. So I'm a, my paradigm has changed to quality over the quantity. And so now we just obsessively attack that list. So is it uh, just vacant houses? You're looking for vacants? No, not vacants. Anything distressed. Okay. All right. The same property that was on Craigslist that you were talking about earlier, that property probably would still end up on my, likely would still end up on my list. Okay. Because I have this criteria that I'm looking for, right? For anything that just looks like it's got distress. Cool. You know? All right. We're getting people here that are telling us where they're from. I just want to give a shout out to Celeste, Port Charlotte, Florida. Do you know where that is? Another, yeah, Port Charlotte. Yep. Cool spot. Boston. Hey, Donna. So that's actually where I was born. Was it? Yeah. Did yeah. you see the uh, the Boston commercial in the Super Bowl? I don't know. There's like uh, two or three people that were talking with strong, heavy Boston accents. Oh, man. It was no, a Hyundai I... commercial, I think. Was it? Yeah, no, I heard about it, but I did not see it. James is saying, hey, anybody in Atlanta? Atlanta. What a great market, James. Good market. Bobby's from New Jersey, New York. I guess they're the same thing. I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can take a train and pop over. You know, where am I? I don't know. Same yeah, time. it's the same. Uh, Brian from Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Cool. Cool. Oh, oh, How about Benson? We'll call you Benson. Benson. From Chicago. Oh, so you're in the one state where listening to us, yeah. right? <laughs> Anthony. Anthony Turco is a good dude. Justin and Joe in the house. What's good? Anthony. PJ Johnson from San Diego. Good. I'm glad you guys are here. Yeah. As we go through here, if we got any questions, type them in the comments on your Facebooks or YouTubes, and uh, we will get to them hopefully and uh, go through and answer uh, any questions that you guys have. All right. So Justin, have you ever looked at small towns? Like, are you doing any wholesaling in like smaller town, Florida? I've done plenty of deals in small towns. Yeah. Why, did you, do you find any advantage or benefit to that? That's a good question. The advantage is the obvious joke, right? Less competition, better opportunity to get into under contract at a good discount. Disadvantage? Sometimes ain't nobody came to crap. <laughs> cool. You got that piece of crap for 40 cents a dollar? Whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Well, you can always get it down to 10 cents on the dollar. Maybe. And, that, and you're right. And then had I thought, you know, had I think that through, I probably would have done more deals there. I know for sure I've bailed Joe on leads because I was like, oh, it's Timbuktu. And now as I think back and uh, as I now have this new mentality in the past four, three or four years of like it's quality over quantity, I'm kicking myself, man. I know how much money I left on the table for it was ego or just, just I don't know, young, like just stupid mentality. But yeah, man, you guys, you can definitely make money there. I always say, dude, I'm always buyers first, Joe. Like, so like for me, like I'm buyers first. Now, of course, if I get a a motivated seller lead and I do a soft pass and the dude or gal or seller takes us up on 25 cents on a dollar, 30 cents a dollar. And I don't have a buyer. Yeah. I'm still going to pursue the deal. Yeah. Get the deal. So small towns are great, man. Or they can be, I, I just, I just feel like it's anything you should know that market. Okay, good. Let's talk about treating the stuff like a business. You know, it's not a hobby. If you want to make good money, in real estate, you need to treat it like a business. I see, you know, it's not just, I was going to say, I see this a lot with realtors, but it, it's a lot, it's true even with investors and maybe worse mm-hmm. where, you know, you get into it, you get excited for a little bit and then you start to fade off and you realize, dang it, this is hard work. You know, yeah. 
I got to talk to people. I got to follow up. I got to track this stuff. And um, so what are some tips and tricks that you do yourself, maybe help with other people to look at it better like a business, not as a hobby? You know, what what are some of the things that you, what are some of the systems that you put in place to treat it like a business? Does that make sense? Dude, I mean, that this is my topic, Joe. And I could go on for years <laughs> talking about the days yeah. and days. I could literally go on for days talking about this. But I'll, I'll say overall, figure out what it is that guys, what, what is it that you need to do right now? So get very clear on what it is that you need in your business. What's like one thing you need right now? Like, do you have crappy buyers and all fix and flippers and you need some good landlords and you're in Jacksonville? Saw some of yours in Jacksonville. So you're saying, hey, okay, I need a couple good landlords so I can get some deals under contract at 70 cents on a dollar and still make some money, then that's what you need. And so now you know what to do. Now you just ask yourself, who's going to help me? Huh. Who? So my thing, Joe, is like, I always think about it and I set the agenda, whether that's, you know, I'm, I'm saying paper, but really we have this app Wonderlist, and I just direct it. And that's, that's what needs to be done. So um, I, I have the vision. And then my thing is always, who's going to help? And I know that they're going to get a part of the deal. That's part of the deal, right? Like, what yeah. would you rather have? You know what I mean? So, I, 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 Joe, I never, I never want 100% of the profits of any deal. That's really important. And I, I did that when I started virtually wholesaling back in 2013. I made a list of all of the steps, the, the, mm. all of the what's that you got to do. Yeah. And I phrased it a little differently. I said, who can I get to do all of this for me? Yeah. Like, how can I do none of it? So it's just asking bigger questions. And I love that who it's a great question to ask, isn't it? Because that forces you to like break this stuff up into systems. Right. And then find somebody to implement that system. And Joe, you know, I'm so glad you said that, man. While you're on the word system, I wish somebody told me, like, I'm dead serious, man. I wish somebody told me this show like years ago because I didn't learn this up until recently or maybe through a, a, a mastermind that I had done with somebody exclusively or this really sunk in combined with like my own experience. But guys, when we say system, I don't know. I might be speaking for people. I might be putting words in people's mouths, but I don't know about you, Joe. Whenever I heard the word system, I was imagining this integrate, integrate software, like an infusion soft for us on the education, but like a CRM, a really good boss freedom soft, something like that. And what I'm here to tell you is nothing can be further than from the truth. Like, like a system could be, all right, go obtain this list of sellers and then use this script and cold call them for the next three days. And I expect the results by Wednesday at 630 Eastern process. That's a process. And then there has to be a person. Yeah. So the process that's written down or you get all cool and put it on a word doc or get even cooler, put it on a, 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 a task list, right? Like wonderless and then make somebody responsible for it. And now you have a system. Like if somebody told me that and I believed it, right? I had to believe it. Sometimes we hear things and don't believe it. But if somebody told me that and I believed it years ago, I honestly don't think I know that I would have been hitting my goals much quicker, much quicker. That's like good. That. You can have multiple systems in place. Yeah. I, I borrowed this from um, Rob Swanson. Mm-hmm. The guy created, well, he now owns FreedomSoft. He didn't create it, but um, he, ta- he he likes to term it, <clears throat> phrase it in the terms of um, simple system scale. Simple system scale. Simple yeah. system scale. So it starts with simple. Your simplicity. You got a list of 50 sellers that you need to call. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's your simple thing. Now, what are you going to say to them? Well, you get a simple script right? You get a simple phone system to call them. It could be a cell phone. It could be Google voice or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Simple. Yeah. You build a system around that. All right. So use this, call these sellers between these hours, mm-hmm. use the script, ask these six questions, mm-hmm. right? Put the information on this lead sheet 
Mm-hmm. Let's answer these questions here, fill this stuff out, and then put that you know email, that picture of that lead sheet or whatever to this email address or put it into this spreadsheet or put it into the CRM by a certain time, whatever. So that's your system. Mm-hmm. And then you scale it at that point, right? Mm-hmm. You only scale it after you got a simple system built. Yeah. And I, I sometimes refer to it as silos. You know, you got your silo for different types of marketing that you're doing. Because so many of us, like, I think you would recognize this, like, You've got like five different things going on and none of them are at a hundred percent, right? Mm-hmm. This one's at 25%. This one's at 35. This one's at 55. This one's at 10. Nothing's running efficiently. And it's because we're trying to do all too many things at one time when we need to stop and just say one, pick one thing, build a simple system scale, that, that one thing, mm-hmm. then move on to the next thing. Right? So anyway, that's kind of my philosophy that I've borrowed. Yeah, it's awesome. And, and, you can see that philosophy. You said Rob agrees. Rob created that or agrees? Rob, Rob Swanson came up with that, I think. Well, you can see that, man, in the, in the way that FreedomSoft has adapted over time. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's better, you know, than it once than it was. And it is simplistic. But something I tell people is, you know, look, what you just said, FreedomSoft just makes it, for us that understand what's going on because we've put in the time, it just makes it easier. And then eventually makes, then it eventually becomes something you depend on, right, for ease of mind, organization. I come in here, I look at my file under Justin tab, or I know where, right? So like, and I actually have a bunch of stuff that I use, but it's not really freedoms, just freedom soft. But the, the point is like, I just try to, in the beginning, I just want to encourage people to keep it super, super simple. And even if that is literally typing on a Word doc and you hiring your first virtual assistant and providing them a deadline, there you go. you now have a system that, yeah, or a manila file, <laughs> you know, and then hiring somebody, that's it. You know? This is, and I talk about this too. Like, I have a simple lead sheet here, right? Mm-hmm. Just print off fifty of these, put them in a Manila folder, and this is this is an example of a system, everybody. Yeah. And you have four folders. You know, one for blanks, one for hot, warm, cold leads. Yeah. And you just chicken scratch your notes on these things. Yeah. And every day, sit down with your hot folder, flip through all the leads, and see what you have to do next. Right. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't have to be complicated. No, it, like what you said too, it doesn't have to be a software either. It's just, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, you know, you should definitely aspire to get to the software spot. Right. So that you, that's a, you got so many leads coming in. You do need to keep everything organized at some point. But I mean, I always tell people in the beginning, like, that's the biggest thing I focus my students with. It's like, guys, like, what about this? And what about this software? And about this one? And I'm like, look, they're all good. And, and there will be a time, but right now let's just get that Excel sheet. Let's open it. Let's open that script that you got right there. And let's pick up this phone, you know, mm-hmm. or if we're not going to pick up the phone, let's go to over here to fiber.com and hire this one cold caller who has a, you know, a five-star rating and has been in the game for three years. Right. Good. All right. So what are some of the other systems that you use? You know, I'm sure you got a system for dispositions, maybe mm-hmm. um, talk a little bit about systems that you've set in place to, to sell your deals once you get them under contract. To sell? Yeah. So I have, believe it or not, actually, I got a system of agents, right? So I actually leverage agents. Again, that just Smart. falls into the ideology of like who I am. Like I, I don't, I'm not concerned with a wholesale deal and losing 1.5%. All right. So that's simply the system is an email broadcast or a broad text through Scipio to our agents that says, here's the contract that we have. Do you have any buyers? Here's the spread. They're straight up, like super candid, super open. Right. And then, of course, it's going to vary depend on what the deal is. Like, if it's a wholesale, do I own it? A wholesale contract? Yeah. What am I doing? Internally, I dictate tasks that need to be done through a simple app called Wonderlist. 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 Yeah. All of our calls, 
we, we bounced around a few times, Joe, from call rail to Mojo Dialer yeah. to Bumber. But I'd say I think 80% of our calls right now are being done through Bumber. I don't know if you can hear me or not. They're really? right, right here. Uh, but I think they're doing like most of it's through Bumber. At the end of the day, Joe, again, I don't care what the heck they use. Like, I'll pay the bill. <laughs> the cool thing about Vumber, too, by the way, is you can use your phone. By the way, there we are right there. Here we are, man. <laughs> but the cool thing about Vumber is you can use your cell phone, right? Yeah. yeah. So you can dial your Vumber number, then dial yeah. the seller's number, and they'll see your caller ID there. Yeah. Right? yeah They'll see true. the Vumber on their caller ID. And Joe, the biggest reason so that, but the only biggest reason, Joe, that I that I use and mainly I recommend it to my students is like it's so simple. Yeah, it's a blue header that says bumper, left hand side, outbound calls, incoming calls, text messages, mm-hmm. end of platform, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Platform done. So um, to me, and now I know that there's plenty of guys out there like guys that are killing it that are like, well, that doesn't have enough for me. That's cool, and I super respect that, you know. But for me. Uh, it's enough simpler the better start with that for sure man you know some of our calls are recorded then everything just goes into a, a, a crm you know dude one of my i don't know we were on facebook I, I won't say his full name but one of my clients and if he's listening i don't know if i'm tagged right now or not but one of my clients <clears throat> and a friend and somebody i've helped him build one of his current businesses right now he'll definitely know i'm talking about him when i say this he has built a company where we're together with other people. He has a very similar mindset to me now where he's fixed buying, fixing and flipping properties nationally all across the country. And, you know, I was over at his house. I don't know what we we're doing. Some like one of the last deals we did together. And I was like, dude, what are you? Cause I saw his assistant working on a computer with a bunch of papers everywhere. And I was like, what, what, what are you guys using to keep everything together? Using freedom stock. And he looks at me, he's like freedom. What? You know? And I was like, Oh, you must be using Podio. And he's like, Pope, po- what? He was, no, man. And he just opens and shows me his Excel sheet. And I was like, and it's files of Excel, right? Excel data and Excel sheets and then the color coordinated with highlighters. And I was like, okay. Um, and I was like, well, what are you using to like analyze your deals? And he's like, Zillow. <laughs> Zillow. Yeah. yeah. He's not using the Zestin or anything, but he's just using it as an easy, sure. quick way to pull the comps, right? Yeah. You know? Well, we complicated so much, I think, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so my point is, like, I tell people, like, guys, like, you know, so I don't have, Joe, this very cool, robust podio process that talks to this um, one and that one. I'm also not saying that it's right or wrong, right? You know what I mean? Like, it could be wrong, but it works for me. I'm happy that like, one day I need to bring somebody in to have something connect with everything else I will. But right now, very simple. Wonder list delegation, simple CRMs. I use some internal stuff, call systems, cloud-based software, ring central. I didn't mention that one, but we use ring central for other things. Bumber. I don't know. I'm sure I'm missing something, but do you use a, a tool like Slack to communicate with your team? No wonder list. Oh, you use wonder list. Everybody's on wonder list. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Even like chatting and chatting. And oh, yeah. yeah. And what's cool is it just hits on my phone. So oh. like someone's like, or if somebody accomplished a task or somebody's deadlines coming up notification. So like, oh, and one other thing that's super important for other team members that are not in the office, this is a must. This is a good tip for anybody that has, that's hiring anybody specific in subcontracting, timedoctor.com. I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what does it do? Sort of spyware? No. <laughs> it, uh, in essence, you see their computer. So during work, they have to log in. And then whenever they're logging into your account, because this person is likely going to be working for multiple people, right? They're not going to be working for just you. So the lot when they go to work for you, you know, notification. And then it just takes random screenshots of their computer at any given time just to keep everybody on the up and up. 
right? They can't time it. They can't. It's random times. So if they said, hey, I spent 30 hours this week working for Atlantic, you can go and verify that. Yeah. Through his so, Yeah. It's, you use that for your virtual assistants mainly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Most, mostly virtual people. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we are, we're past our time, Justin. I want to just ask you a few more questions. Yeah, for sure. Um, what do you, do you use a, uh, like a bookkeeper, an accountant to track your numbers and your books and things like that? Like how important or how big of a deal is that for you to know your numbers? It's a big deal. It's a big deal to know your numbers. Yeah. I tell you though, man, I, I've gone every year. I say that this is my guy. I'm keeping them. <laughs> Typically within the end of that year, I move on to the next guy. guy. I know. Um, right now I have a guy that's local, St. Augustine. I've gone everything from local people to, to, to software to a guy. This one guy had the software. He's like, trust me, just integrate this with your checking account and everything's going to be. And I was like, now I have a guy locally in St. Augustine. I, I'm a, I'm a flagger. And St. Augustine is just an hour away from me. And uh, internally, I make everybody responsible for keeping I like good part on this, right? So we're talking about like here in my office, the culture here is full of transparency. So like everybody knows, has my accounts and everybody knows my numbers, even my emails. So like I, I, everything's an open book here. Heck, we even keep our revenue score on the on the wall upstairs. And, and so everything's open transparency. So like everybody's responsible for keeping track of coming what's coming in what's coming out and excess right like do we really need this anymore can you shave that or is this particular software like you know on the education side jim we have lots of plugins lots of things that we use so i make people here responsible for my uh, the company's best interest it's part of the culture yeah i went through um six months ago all my subscriptions and i canceled about three thousand dollars worth of crap isn't that insane and how long were you getting billed for the three thousand dollars worth of crap I don't know. I mean, some of it was just recent. Some of it was like high-end expensive coaching programs or, edu- you know, like training programs that I wasn't really using. Right. Or, you know, I was paying vendors to do stuff for me that weren't, it wasn't all software, but it was like paying somebody to do something for me that I wasn't really using enough of to justify that. Right. But um, yeah, it's, it's so important to step aside, high view, look at everything. All right. Do I need, so that? Do I need that? I know one guy once a year, it's funny. He calls his credit card company and says, I lost my credit card. And he just gets canceled and like everything gets stopped. And yeah. now he doesn't re-sign yeah. up for it unless yeah. he goes, oh, crap, I need that. You know, and yeah. Back. yeah, and then you got to re-sign back up. So for me, I, just, you know, I have a personal assistant. That was one of my big things, Joe, to go back to that question. You know, like, how's your business look and what's, what's giving you more? Like my very first hire, no, no, no. My very first hire was an operations manager. And that was, was a big game changer, right? Like I was like, oh shoot, this is great. <laughs> but then, like on the other side or both sides, personal life and business, my personal assistant. And so I have, uh, you know, I sign these uh, lots of things to her. So that's like, you know, on, on, on any side of the business, um, she takes care of a lot of numbers. And then I'd be totally digressed. And my, if my wife was, she would kill me if I didn't give her mad props because she spends lots of time on the books on the back end, going through expenditures and then providing ex- putting everything in Excel sheets. Give it to the bookkeeper. Otherwise, the bookkeeper is like, you know, all right, I'm going to concern you. You know, this is ridiculous. We got a good question here from Isaac. I'm over in Orange County. Love Newport Beach. I'm brand new to real estate. Would you recommend me to start wholesaling in my competitive market or do it virtually in another market like Kansas City? <laughs> oh, you can do in Joe's backyard. <laughs> what, what, what's going What's this all about? <laughs> By the way, I don't believe in competition. I only believe in collaboration. Totally. Tom Kroll. Tom Kroll comes up with it. All right. So like you got a, you got a student in, in, in the hot expensive market, like Orange County, California, 
and they want to get into the wholesaling game, what do you tell them? I only have three markets I don't like. It's New York, New York, uh, Colorado, and most lots of California. Almost and all of it, yeah. Almost all of it. I used to be like, ah, oh, Sacramento's cool, but I have a student in Sacramento. Uh, everyone's doing good, and then recently it was very tough to get them cranky in Sacramento. So I was like, all right, Sacramento's done too. Then. Those are the good markets. So I recommend to you, my man, that especially if you're listening to guys that do virtual stuff, go virtual. And the reason we both, you know, with what Joe just said, there is no competition. So I'm not telling you don't do Orange County because there's so many other investors. It's completely irrelevant. It's the numbers are difficult, especially when you ask a guy like me, a guy like me, you know, you can get two different answers there, buddy. You you can ask a developer and they'll tell you one thing. You ask a virtual wholesaler who flips paper, you'll get another answer. And and for me, I'm not getting my, my, I serve one person and that's landlords. And you ain't got many guys going to get there. You're going, let's go buy a $2 million, three bedroom, two bath and rent it out for $2,500. Right. Like that's such a good point. Cause of all the groups of sellers, the one group that is most likely to be motivated are landlords, mm-hmm. absentee owners, tired landlords. And uh, there's not a lot of them in orange County, right? There's not a lot. So, so where are people buying rental properties at? for the cash flow? That's the good markets to talk to right. target. You know, there's Indiana, anywhere in the Midwest, you know, lots of markets out there. One of the things I tell people is if you're doing some research, just Google something like best markets to invest in rentals in or something like that, right? And you'll find articles from CNBC and Forbes magazine and Bigger Pockets. And you'll find a bunch of different articles in there where they do the research for you and they rank, you know, these certain cities where you get a high return on your investment, where the rents are relatively high compared to the median home price. Where there's a good strong economy and you know stable job growth and things like that. Yeah, I mean, and then I would also say this: once you find an area, don't mm-hmm. be afraid to go out into the small markets around there. Like, let's say you you look because uh, I've seen this recently where um, they've said that Dallas Fort Worth is a great place to, to to buy rental properties in. Well, yes, but it's super competitive in Dallas Fort Worth, right? But what about all of the smaller counties around Dallas Fort Worth in that area, right? There's a lot of opportunity there in the small markets outside of the big MSAs. Mm-hmm. So, something to think about. All right, Justin, how can people get a hold of you? Somebody is asking about here, somebody Morton Mortlon was asking uh, great tips guys, mentorship. Uh, you you talked about some mentoring, Justin. Uh, how can people get a hold of you? Do you have a book? What's your podcast? Awesome, awesome, all great things. So yeah, you can follow me as well. I have a podcast as well called The Freedom Air. Um, also hit me up on YouTube, Justin Wilmot. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, The Real Justin Wilmot, because there's a lot of Justin Wilmots out there. I did not know The Real Justin Wilmot. But uh, go to justinwilmot.com and you'll see all, everything that we have available, plus the mentoring programs. I know Joe does mentoring as well. But justinwilmot.com is really yeah. the best place to kind of go through, see what we're all about, and see uh, you know, the different services that we can provide you and how we can help you the most. Yeah, so we'll have a link to all of this stuff too at the show notes at realestateinvestingmastery.com. Justin, J-U-S-T-I-N, Wilmot, W-I-L-M-O-T.com. Go there if you want to get some more information and work with uh, Justin. Super cool guy. I've known Justin for a long time. He's the real deal. He's active in the business. And uh, he knows, he has got a ton of experience. Been in it for a long time. And uh, even has the scars to prove it. Like I, I, The reason I wanted to keep on asking you about that rehab that you lost money on Mm-hmm. So that people know, like, if, 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 if you, I would rather learn 
rehabbing from somebody who has had a lot of success, but also had a few failures as well. Yeah. So that um, you know what to, let me text this guy right here. So that, you know, they would know what not to do. What not to do. Yeah. I mean, you know, guys, like <clears throat> I, I bought that one, Joe, like I said, I used, that was the first time I've ever used emotion to buy a house, like, like perceived like value add instead of real physical hard numbers. And usually my friends just, just stay to black and white. You know, I see the ARVs $350,000. I buy for $150,000. I only need to put in $50,000. I'm in good shape. After commissions and buyer concessions and days on market and paying, that 150 turns into 100. That 100 probably turned into 90, and you're in good you're in good hands. But I made a few false, you know, the, at the time the market was so hot. It was, I used like guys, real estate investors, right, Joe? We're not we're not supposed to be speculators. And it was the yeah. first. That's what I say when I bought on emotion. I used speculation for the first time in my life. And it bit me in the butt. That's how I lost my money. I, yeah. count, I was counting on future appreciation. And all right, good. This has been great, Justin. I sure appreciate it. Appreciate you being on the show. You've got some really good material. I know you've changed a lot of people's lives. What was the name of your podcast one more time? Uh, the Freedom Air. The Freedom, the Freedom Air. Air. Yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah. JustinWilmot.com. And uh, guys, again, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com or R-E-I-M podcast.com. And you can see there the show notes, the transcriptions, the video, the audio. It'll all be there at realestateinvestingmasterypodcast.com. And thanks, Justin. We'll see you, man. Take care. Dude, it's always awesome hanging, man. It's been good. Take Thanks care. Bye-bye.